Hello, hello, and welcome back to the Everything Must Go podcast. I am Steven, and with me is Brandon. Of course, not in person, but we're making things happen. We apologize for no episode last week. I guess off the top of the show, I'll just explain why that happened, which is I moved. So anyone who's watching the video version of this episode will see my background is quite a bit different. And the quality of the stream, of the video quality, like it should be a lot better now as I... uh, I've upgraded my internet in preparation to improve the quality of the show here, and now that we have a new podcast set up, which at some point we'll be able to use, I don't know when, doesn't look like anytime soon, but at some point we'll be able to use it and uh, improve the quality of the show, and I'm excited about it. How, uh, <laughs> how are you feeling in the, in the new place? Awesome. So far, I really, really, it's like, it's just super nice. I As soon as I walked into the place... The first time, I was just like, I didn't have too much hesitation. I, I tend to overthink things like this, but it didn't take too much for me to just realize that this was like the the logical next step. And I was really excited to have a space like this to record. And it is, it's really nice. I didn't realize how nice it was going to be to just have separate rooms for everything now in my life. Yeah, well, they say that that's like a a big thing that they've researched in psychology is like having, uh, like when you go to bed, you don't want to do other things in your bed. You want your bed to be the place that you just sleep. I know that that's not what it's always used by people for, but <laughs> uh, and then having a specific space for your work, just so that when you get in that space, uh, mentally you're kind of locked in. So it's it's pretty nice to to see that you finally have that. And, um, I mean, I'm, I, it's, it's so weird that I haven't been there yet. (laughs) Yeah. It's, uh, I'm really looking forward to having that opportunity, but it's, uh, hopefully going to come sooner rather than later. Yeah. I'm excited to have people over and, uh, I, it, it's getting to me a little bit. I guess that's one of the first things I want to talk about in this show. Like, you know, later we'll get to a couple segments. We'll be doing our Rotten Tomatoes one, which we now have a name for, which is Movie Metrics, maybe. So we'll be doing that one again. We'll also be doing our Spotify segment. And uh, But before we get to all that stuff, I want to talk a little bit about the coronavirus because we kind of almost have to at this point. We've been stuck in quarantine now for an extra two weeks from the last episode and Brandon how are you feeling about this whole thing right now man I have hit a wall big time I uh motivation wise uh like health wise just everything I feel like has really gone down uh, downhill um and I don't I don't want to admit that because I want to be there's a part of me that wants to be like a a beacon of light, so to speak, in this dark time. But the the truth of the matter is, is I'm human, and I have certain things that, as the person that I am, I'm not, just like a lot of people, I'm not getting now through this. And so it really is starting to weigh on me, and uh, I'm seeing it take its toll in uh, certain areas of motivation. And, um, you know, I'm just hoping that, like I said, this thing gets taken care of sooner rather than later. I mean, I'm 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 not losing all hope. I even within myself, I feel like if I can just somehow snap into a, the right mindset, I can 
I can turn it around for myself. But uh, I'm hoping also just as like a nation and as the world, we can <clears throat> we can start to recover from this uh, a bit. How how are you doing? I've actually, and I talked about this with you on the phone. I'm actually doing okay for the most part. I mean, it's more difficult. I think uh, for people who live by themselves right now, because you have to battle all of the self-doubt and all of the anxiety of the situation just completely alone, and there's there's really no way, I mean, there's, there's, there's no other way around it. So that part can be kind of difficult, but what I found to be really helpful was coming up with a routine that I could do of all the things I was already doing, but I didn't have to rely on other people or anything outside of my home and that means it could get boring after a while because I only do you know I I do the podcast recording I make my YouTube videos I do a lot of the same stuff but I just only do the things that I can do at home by myself so I, I don't get to go out and make the my life in Chicago vlogs where I get to see a bunch of people I don't get to go to bars or any of that stuff but having a routine has been really really helpful and another thing i've been doing is i switch it up every few days ever so slightly like i switch up the workouts that i do i switch up the order in which i do things in but the basic structure has not changed too much so i think that that's been the best learning experience for me in this is having a routine because if you don't have one, it's really tough, especially if you're completely by yourself because you just kind of feel like your day is not going anywhere. And I did not want to have that feeling. Yeah, that, that can be really tough. Um, yeah, I I, uh, I talked to my family uh, today, and, and uh, it's just interesting to see all the different ways people are experiencing this you know I have my youngest sister was a senior in high school this year and now like pretty much everything for her is canceled which is pretty pretty sad um and then you know uh, I have certain people that I know that have been laid off and especially if you work in the service industry a lot of those people are taking hits but then you have the other side of it where like healthcare workers are just working non-stop because there's just this overflow of people checking into the hospital it's and it's just pretty it's just a crazy time I don't even really know how to put it into words I don't I don't know how to articulate um what this is like per se but uh it's I, I, I could try I'll tell you a little bit it's uh it's pretty frustrating for the sake of not 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 even for my own selfishness but just like it's frustrating in general because Yes, from my selfish perspective, I can't do the things that I want to do, but I'm also frustrated because it doesn't seem like a lot of people are taking this serious enough. And no matter how much it seems like there's information out there, easily obtainable, people still make ignorant comments on how they don't think it's that serious or they still want to like hang out with their friends and stuff like that. And I did a rant on this on Instagram <laughs> yesterday briefly because I sort of hit a breaking point on it. And I'm like, I thought humans were able to adapt when things changed, but this just kind of shows me that we don't like to do it, so we will just not do it <laughs> and put it on other people to, to solve our problems. So a lot of us just think, oh, let's just have the doctors figured out or the politicians. And it's like, you could do your part, you know, and just stay home 
help everyone out, but people don't like to do that. Yeah, it's not even – that's one thing. It's, it's another thing to take actions that end up inf- impacting other people. Uh, like <laughs> I was telling Stephen earlier this week, there, there are these – there have been a couple of situations where social media influencers who people who have an influence on others are, are like not taking it seriously. They're going out and they're doing their stuff and they've end up getting the coronavirus. And obviously that's horrible. Part of me, the, the, the one side of me is like, yeah, you freaking deserve it. <laughs> like you were not taking this seriously, but it pisses me off because this sucks for everybody. <laughs> like, who is this good for? It sucks for everybody, but for the people that aren't taking it seriously, that want to say any type of their their bullshit, um, they are now uh, chancing impacting somebody else's life that didn't sign up for them not taking this seriously. So you're 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 prioritizing all of your shit. Uh, over everybody else's and that that's the part that really bothers me it's like even if you don't think this is super serious whatever don't take actions that now influence how other people get to act because you are careless it's pretty bullshit I agree but people they don't look at humans don't look at the big picture we just never do we always look at just the our immediate surroundings and if we're impacted we're just pissed and we can't see oh you know if i actually did something small here things might actually start to change so it's pretty frustrating i had a friend the other day who who made a comment was like uh do you even actually know anybody with with the virus and they, they were like um this is just the government trying to to inspire fear or encourage fear and i was just like Dude, I, I got a comment on that idea. This is something that I just I don't understand. I, I, I get being skeptical of the government to a certain extent. I, 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 I'm a very skeptical person. I'm not the world's most trusting person. But I, for the life of me, cannot understand why everybody just assumes that every person in power always has the worst of intentions on every single thing that they do. Because sometimes... Their motive doesn't even make any sense. I can't reasonably figure out why anybody would want the coronavirus to happen. Because, oh, the, the, this benefits the politicians? Oh, wait, no. All they do right now is barely sleep. They're always stressed out. They have to handle this problem, which has no precedent. So they're just literally having to make stuff up as they go along. Everybody hates them, no matter what they do, because they can't solve this problem overnight. Does that really seem like a problem that anybody would have benefited from or I don't know a lot of the really really rich and successful people that can't do a lot of the things that they could do before like what I just I I don't understand why people just assume that there's like an evil reason behind all this when I'm like isn't it possible that this is just a really terrible thing that happened because it spread from an animal and obviously nobody wanted that to happen and then we're doing the best that we can or at least some of us are like why does it always have to be some evil thing because i don't even get this is as i have said it's like a bad guy in a movie who doesn't have a good motive i saw one of the superman movies and i didn't understand why this bad guy wanted to make all this like he, he wanted all this like land i don't know if you know what superman movie this is 
<laughs> it's probably like mid 2000s. Anyways, it's it wasn't very good because I didn't understand what the oh, bad guys. Oh, Superman Returns. It might have been. I didn't understand what the bad guy's motivation was, and that's what I feel like in this situation where people just point to it's the government's fault, and well, I just don't understand why the government would want to do that. One conspiracy theory is is that with this, the government uh, will have the capacity to uh, to uh, make mar- or what, what's the word I'm looking for? They want to put martial law into action. So it's it, it's a sense of control, buddy. <laughs> but to your point, it's like why? <laughs> what, yeah, what is the point of this? I just don't understand. <laughs> I don't understand why. Like, there might be a few people who could benefit in this situation, maybe. But I just feel like it's more. It's just more work. Like I don't. I just don't get it. The well, government wants to do as little work as possible, if anything. Here's my problem: is I don't even know how many people actually believe this stuff because we say it. it Sometimes it seems like there's a massive amount of people that believe this stuff. And I don't know if that's just the way that the media portrays it. Like, for instance, to me, it seems like Bernie Sanders is a super popular guy. It seems like all I hear about is how incredible he is and how much people like him. But he is losing to Joe Biden. How is that possible? And yet I've never heard a single person who likes no, Joe Biden. neither have I. So I'm just thinking... <laughs> Is everything like are people hacking into the voting shit or something? Dude, the same or, thing happened with Trump. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So, <laughs> is, is it all being hacked, or am I just am I hanging out with people in a bubble? Am I is the way that the media is portraying things complete? I don't know. I don't even know what to believe because things are all over the place with what actually is happening compared to what you're hearing and all this stuff it doesn't line up who actually believes this shit it's funny because uh specifically with trump he won and i i think i met like one or two people in my entire like even when i was going to school which is like a bunch of like a diverse group of people coming to school i met like two people not even no it was one person that like trump and i'm just like this is so weird to me because we also think that oh i i i i uh i think that i can critically think through things and i talk to people and uh maybe they'll have different ideas than me but at least we're having discussion where we'll think through things but then you also are like you see things that are happening it's like wait a second did nobody stop to think about what exactly they're doing here or what was the discussion that led to this sort of um uh the this group think uh process i, I don't understand how it got to that because i meet people and i talk to people and i try to really understand people and i never feel like i meet anybody who is capable of this or believes that so where are these people coming from i don't understand it I have no idea. It, it's incredible. I, I think if there is a conspiracy, it's that. Because I could have sworn every person I talked to thought that Trump winning the presidency was never going to happen. Everyone pretty much just assumed that Hillary Clinton was going to win. And then I wake up the next day, and it says Donald Trump wins the presidency. So there does... <laughs> do I believe that there are some conspiracies... like? some like really crazy things that happen in the government we don't know about a hundred percent i just don't think that everything that the government does or that the super rich elite do 
I don't believe that it's always done for evil intention. And I think that some of the time, I, I think you can you can sort of see an illustration of this by going on to like YouTube as a platform and just seeing how random people make comments to all the big YouTubers and just bash them. And not even just YouTubers, like any celebrities. Tons of people bash them and just hate them. And I'm like, you don't even know this person. Why do you hate them this much with a passion? And I do think that there's a, there's a part of it is just jealousy. I do think that that is a part of why people sometimes can come across as projecting this, like this thought of oh, all these people they're just evil. I I just don't think I don't think it's as black and white as that. And I think that we try to oversimplify and just say oh, people who are rich or people who are in a position of power they must be evil, and it doesn't work that way. Yeah, I I, I think. I think we just need to be more okay with being wrong. <laughs> like sometimes we just we don't have the answers, but sometimes but I think we have certain things that we want to believe. So we hear somebody say that that might be in what we perceive as a as a place of authority and we're like, "Yeah, that's what I want to believe." So I'm just going to run with it. And then somebody starts giving you like facts and figures to be like well what you're saying just has no merit what are you talking about and you're like well i don't really know much about it it's like then why are you spreading this word why are you spreading this narrative and then other people who look at you as an authority figure or who trust you and believe in you they start to believe what you're telling them and all along you didn't even fucking know you just heard one thing and you ran with it well you know who definitely doesn't have the answers Let's hear this. Sway. Sway you never had the, the answers. answers. <laughs> Sway. <laughs> oh. Sway is the one person we could count out who definitely doesn't have the answers yeah. right now. All right, he you want to move did. on? Let, let's move on from this this uh, coronavirus. Yeah, dude, politics. I'm getting too heated on this topic. We got to come up with something that doesn't make me want to punch someone. Do you, do you want to do a segment right now, or do you want to go to a an audience question? <laughs> We can do the audience question. I think it's a good one. All right, let's hear it. No, nah, I think I think you should read it. I'm taking a stand, so I'm not reading it. <laughs> Dude, I'm not reading it. Actually, no, I will. I just didn't have the script pulled up. I just realized I, I thought I... Oh, no, I do have it pulled up, actually. But I don't think I wrote it down. Basically, it was, what is our biggest fear? Metaphor... Yeah, okay. Um, what is your biggest fear? You go first. Hold on. Read the question the way it is. What's your greatest metaphysical fear? There we go. Jiminy crickets. We can't talk about spiders like I know you want to. Uh, I think my fear might be changing. So originally I would say, I feel like we've talked about this, honestly. I don't, I can't, I can't do a callback to an episode because I'm not, I don't know for sure. Uh, originally I would say my greatest metaphysical fear would be the idea of not being enough. But I think I've slowly but surely uh, recognized that as irrational and I'm starting to fear it less. Um, so I would say maybe my, my most recent or most prevalent metaphysical fear now is, um, feeling like I, I wasted my time or feeling like I didn't put in enough to my life to my existence um and that's very that's a very egocentric 
perspective, specifically what I think I am capable of putting into my existence and what I want to put into my time alive. If I feel like I didn't give, if I didn't do enough of what I think I should have, I, I, I fear that a little bit. That's interesting. Cause that's like somewhat similar to mine, but mine is, uh, the fear of not reaching my potential and pretty much compromising my existence. Just, I want to feel that every single day of my life, I've lived it to the fullest and to the most authentic to what I believed in. So I sometimes fear that that won't happen, but it's always the front of my mind. Yeah. Well, you say it's always the front of your mind. So this is something that you think of daily. Yes. I definitely think about it when I pretty much when I wake up every day, it's sort of, uh, the thing that loops everything together. Like the, the, I don't know. I, I can't think of a good, <laughs> as good as my analogies normally are. I can't think of a good analogy, but everything is sort of built around this idea as I move throughout the as day. As good as your analogies. What are you talking about? You're, Dude, I've I'm as good analogies. with my hands as a guy with no hands. That analogy? <laughs> I'm as good with my hands as a guy with no hands. <laughs> yeah, Dude, that's one of my most iconic analogies. Your analogies about? are great. I, I totally forgot about them. Hey, hey, you're the one who decided to switch up the mics on this episode. Are you, are you trying to... Are you trying to outdo me now? Is that what this is about? Are we playing uh, a one-upping game here? I don't have... Let's hear about this. I don't have the... Remember, I don't have the USB cord for my... Uh, my Yeti. Oh, I don't have the USB cord. Do I have the USB cord? Yeah, that's how you plug your Yeti in. Did I take your your cord? No, I think I lost it in the move. Oh, so basically, what you're saying is you're trying to one up me right now. Oh, dude, it's it's fine. It's fine, dude. You can one up me with your microphone. That's cool. This is like three up in you. This mic is. <laughs> I, th- I think this mic was four hundred dollars, <laughs> so it's actually four up in you, because that Yeti was one hundred bucks. See, actually, it was one hundred and twenty-nine bucks. Let's not sell it short. And two, so maybe I got ripped off. I guess I don't know. But two, don't you dare try to compete with microphones with me. All right, just remember. I mean, I don't have to try. I I already won. <laughs> Just remember, we all have things in this world, and maybe yours is that you have the nice microphone, and mine is that I wear glasses sometimes. All right? just Well, actually, isn't you wearing glasses this. mean I win again because my vision is better than you? Dude, your vision is better than me even with my glasses on. This is such trash. <laughs> yeah. This is such trash. I think I'm I'm five. I'm, I have 2015 vision last time I got my eyes checked. No, you don't. You have better than perfect, perfect... You have better than perfect vision. Yep. But I still don't think that's good enough to be an Air Force pilot. I think you need to have 2010 vision. Wow. Any way you look at it, I don't even know what that's like. All right. It's pretty incredible. <laughs> Tell me more about how incredible I, your I can is. read really small words from far away. I can't. <laughs> it doesn't matter. You could give me any amount of equipment, and it's not happening. Remember when we said we are going to get telescopes to see each other while we talk on walkie-talkies? Yeah, we were... So, Brandon and I, we don't, like, live that far apart from each other. We could easily, like, meet up. But we can't right now because of the whole virus thing. And, like, we're taking it serious. But we talked about We're like, what if we met up somewhat close but kept our social distancing and then just used, like, binoculars or something? 
<laughs> It'd be sick. And then called each other. It was a really funny idea, at least for us. But yeah, it just, it you didn't guys translate. probably didn't laugh, but it was when we talked about it, we laughed. It didn't translate as well, but you know, <laughs> that's okay. Not every hit is a home run. Ask Babe Ruth. I'm batting a hundred. <laughs> All right, let's do this uh, movie metrics, maybe. Oh, movie metrics. I like how we got a title now. We're uh, we're getting better with the segment titles. I I like pronouncing it like this. Okay, this is how we emphasize it. Movie metrics, maybe. There we go. All right, so by reading a synopsis of the movie alone, Stephen and I will try to guess the Rotten Tomato score. And the score we are using is the critic score, not the fan score. Is that correct? We're using the critic score, correct. Okay, I just want to make sure. That's the only way to do it. I don't don't care what the people are saying. I don't even know what the critics are saying. Okay, so the first one is called Paper Man. This movie was in 2009. Paper Man is a comedic drama about an unlikely friendship between Richard, a failed middle-aged novelist who has never quite grown up, and Abby, a 17-year-old girl whose role in a family tragedy years earlier has stolen away her youth. You can go first on this one. What do you think? Uh, 89%. This isn't even any hesitation. This is one of those times. This is one of those times. This is an easy one. It's a title... That clearly it's not actually a man made out of paper. So you can know immediately. I mean, I guess technically it could be because it's got the, the comedy side here. So I guess it's possible. But it's, it, it's one of those things where it has a name that seems kind of artistic. And I've never heard of this movie before. And generally, if you put those together, it means that it's going to be a movie that was really praised by critics because they love to give... It's the same reason why... Uh, books that have titles that are unrelated to the actual book itself, they always got those little medals, like Newberry medals and stuff like that. It used to piss me off because I'm like, this book is terrible. Not that I read the book, but if people read me the book, I would know it was terrible. And, uh, yeah, so I, I use all that logic. And through the transitive property, I've I've come to the conclusion that my reasoning <laughs> has led to the results property. that the metrics indicate 89%. All right, I'm going to go with 70%. This is what happened, all right? The critics were originally... It had a bad first impression. Critics showed up thinking they were seeing Superman, but there was a typo on the memo that went out to all the critics. So they thought they were going to go see a Superman film. They get there. They realize it's this uh, comedic drama, Paper Man. It doesn't even have a superhero aspect to it. It's just about... uh, a failed novelist and so at first they're just like what the hell is this movie but because it was heartwarming enough the relationship the dynamic between richard and abby they were able to be swayed just enough to give it a decent score so i'm gonna go with 70 percent it's gotta be higher here we go Wait a second. Um, Let's hear it. 32%. No! No! Are you serious? Yeah. That that literally breaks everything that I've known about movies. We don't even get a real sense of what kind of writer Richard is, or even if he's any good. It does make a difference, after all, if the novel he can't write is worth writing. That's what one of the reviews says. 
Oh, uh, all right. Really, really thrown for a loop on that we, one. We got, we got fucked. All right, next one. Jeff, who lives at home, made in 2011, dispatched from his basement room on an errand for his widowed mother. Slacker Jeff might discover his destiny when he spends the day with his unhappily married brother as he tracks his possible adulterous wife. You want me to go first on this one? Yeah, you go first. I'm going to say this one, you know, this one I think has a little bit of wit to it. All right, this is uh, this is a funny, like a buddy comedy. These guys probably having a grand old time. Um, and, and the adventure that they go on is just probably incredible. Uh, it makes me want to have a mystical component to it, but I know it probably won't be. It'd probably be realistic and, and, and relatable and make us think about our own life. So I'm going to give this one an 85%. Wow, that's really high. When I heard this movie, at first I was like, okay, maybe this is one of those sort of Napoleon Dynamite-esque movies that could get some decent reviews but have a big cult following and they would really like it. Then I thought about it, and I was like, no, this is going to be a really bad movie. Then I thought about it again and decided that I was psyching myself out. And I was just breaking down the movie for what it is, which is a decent movie from the critic standpoint with a bit of a cult following coming in at 62%. Well, you got the audience score, right? But it's a 77%, which means I take the cake on this one. No! <laughs> Dude, I, uh, I, got, I was thinking audience, you know. Yeah, that's okay, because you really <laughs> emphasize at the beginning of this that it's definitely not audience. So I don't know why you would think audience when you were doing your guess. But <laughs> <laughs> dude, sometimes I just get twisted, dude. You're getting twisted. All right. So I'm up two to nothing. Next one is Earth Girls Are Easy. Um, this was made in 1988. A Southern California girl befriends three furry aliens after their spaceship lands in her swimming pool. I feel like... <laughs> I'll, I'll go first in this one. I feel like this movie... That premise is really funny. So I feel like I would probably laugh at this and just thinking that's an 80s movie too really... Seems like it would fall under my like wheelhouse of something I would like. But I imagine this movie's got to be terrible. I'm saying it's a 17%. 17%? Yeah. You know what? I, I think that uh, because it was specifically made in the 80s, um, this is a very imaginative uh, premise here. <laughs> And I think that people were were like, wow, this is so creative. It also kind of objectifies women, which was a big thing back in the 80s. Uh, so I think that based on the critics of the time, looking looking at the other films, uh, this one probably did well. I'm, I'm going to give this one a 70%. All right. You're going to lose, but All right. you, know, you, you, you can try it. We're just not seeing eye to eye on this one. Do we ever see eye to eye? <laughs> Not on these movies for some reason. 67%. Brandon takes the cake once again. <laughs> I'm having a bad run today. Oh, all right. Dude, it's got to be this new apartment. Yeah, It's dude. getting in my the head. The vibes are all off, bro. Dude, vi- definitely vibes are off. 
Okay, here's the next one. I'll guess first on this one. This one's called Rubber. It was made in 2010. A homicidal car tire discovering it has destructive psionic power <laughs> sets its sights on a uh, desert town once a mysterious woman becomes its obsession. What a weird-ass <laughs> Um, I'm going to give this one a 10%. I, I mean, I feel like it speaks for itself. Uh, there, there's no way that this movie did well by critics. I've got a little more confidence. I think that there were some critics who appreciated the obscurity of it, but it was still pretty bad. So I'm thinking 35%. 35% to 10%. Oh, no. Here we go. What? Sixty-nine <laughs> percent. Of course, that percentage too. Wow. No way. Do we? We might have to see this movie now. This movie even has a forty-six percent audience score. That's Dude, not... we might have to see this movie. Uh, I guess. I kind of. There's been some of these where I'm like, we gotta see it. The last two I've been definitely intrigued by. I'll say that. This is so stupid. It's a it's a car tire. What is this? Watch it become our favorite movie. Uh, all right. Well, you won that one. Um, I don't know how proud of that are you you are, but you won it. I mean, it, it wasn't it wasn't my best guess. <laughs> all right. Time Bandits. This was made in 1981. A young boy accidentally joins a band of time traveling dwarves as they jump from era to era, looking for treasure to steal. You know what? I'm gonna give this one a solid 70. I think any time that you throw dwarves into something, you're gonna get a a pretty good uh, following because people love dwarves. And then if you uh, add the time traveling component especially back in the 80s, uh, DeLoreans, neon colors, all that stuff. I, I think people love that stuff, so I'm going to give it a 70%. Neon colors. <laughs> <laughs> That's, uh, there's, there's definitely a spurious correlation thrown in there. No, but, okay. was, that was a very solid correlation. No, nah, it's a spurious correlation. Okay, so uh, I, I like time-traveling movies, and I feel like it's it's got to be – so I'll say the one my one slight concern is that there was a lot of time traveling things back then. So if this wasn't a good one, I feel like you'd be absolutely roasted by the critics. So for that reason, I feel like I got to be careful on my guess. But I'm gonna say fifty five percent because I think it was it was on the bad end of the time travel movies. It was an eighty nine percent. All right, you got your ass kicked today. <laughs> Dude, it was, I was going to guess either 90% or 55%. I was like, it's going to be one of these two. It's either a bad one or... You blew <sighs> you got it, me. dude. You blew it. And the audience score is 77%. So. Dude, it's got to be this apartment. It's just... It's making me think differently, and it's, it's not helping me. I used to be so good at guessing the movie metrics. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> Maybe. And that I was... Know, I, I used to be solid. Movie metrics... Maybe. Damn, dude, that's rough. I, th I, you know, I haven't seen any movies recently, and I'm kind of uh, kind of bummed about it. I kind of wish I maybe I will watch a movie. I just finished watching Naruto. Oh yeah, how was, was that? Anime. It was freaking good, dude. I, 
I cried like a baby on multiple episodes. Like it's emotional. I I, I even uh, messaged uh, Miguel, who's a, a follower of the podcast, and was just like, "I feel like a bitch crying to anime, but this <laughs> anime was so emo. Like it was really good, and the voice acting in it was incredible too." Hmm. But yeah, if you if you like anime, I <laughs> I think okay, it's stupid well, to recommend something that's like one of the most popular anime of all time, but. Well, let me let me ask you a question on this because I feel like we we've briefly talked about this before. But if I remember correctly, I think I know the uh, your answer to this. So, in terms of watching movies or TV shows versus listening to music, which one is more likely to make you cry and why? Um, watching TV shows or movies. Um. I, music doesn't really make me cry that much. I get chills from music, and I like feel emotional, but I don't get to the point where I'm gonna cry. Um, unless it's like a certain scenario, like I cried at the New Year's Eve Nash Bash uh, when I saw the fray there, and that was like in the time when I was thinking about stopping pursuing music and I just saw them and they kind of reinvigorated my desire but like that was there was so much behind that it wasn't just their music you know um movies are different like movies and tv shows like acting is different for me because when I sit down and I go to watch something I like I like zone into something I mean you'll notice this you notice this when I'm on my phone with you I like sometimes I'm just like in another world and you feel like I'm not listening to anything that you're saying. That happens to me. Yeah, when it's, I'm it's actually really annoying. Watching when you do that. movies or TV shows as well. I'll like zone into this place, and I like really dive into the characters and and what they're feeling or what I'm perceiving them to feel. And so it's easy for me to to get emotional. What about you, dude? This this is really fascinating because it, this isn't close. Me, I music is like the only art that really has ever. I think my entire life watching like a movie or a TV show, there's been like maybe three or four times where I might have like shed like a tear or like had a slight uh, emotional response in that way. And it's not to say that I don't get emotional from watching movies and TV shows and stuff, but it just it doesn't happen nearly as often. But with music, it's regularly I could be uh, pushed to tears from just like it could. It's not even. Like it could be something as simple as like hearing like a guitar solo sometimes. Like it's not. It's so weird. Like it's not even always the things that you think would I have would elicit an emotional response from me. But I'm just wondering if any part of this is just like how people f- all feel a little bit differently. And I wonder if sound for some reason has a different impact on me. I I I, I don't know. I. I have no idea how you would measure that, but I just, I wonder if any part of just how my brain is in the same way where I I don't get like that immersed in a video game. I wonder if that same concept, but in a different way is why music, I guess I get so immersed into music, like music to me, I hear it and it's like a visual thing in my head. And I wonder if everybody's a little bit different with this. Well, I wonder too, if, if you need to be responsible for creating the visual in your head as opposed to you watching a movie, it creates the visual for you because you're actually watching what's happening. 
So I wonder if there is an aspect of how your brain works with that, where you, with music, you hear something and it puts you in your... You're not a big reader, but I would be curious if you were a reader, more of a reader, if books would do a similar thing to you, because with books, you kind of create the story or uh, world in your imagination. So I wonder if, if those would hit you hard like music does, or if it is really an auditory thing where... Uh, it hits a certain part and causes some sort of emotional reaction. I'm not sure. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I just thought about that because I do. I find it to be interesting. It's especially interesting because of just probably from an outsider's perspective, they would assume our thoughts in this might be the opposite just because you're the musician and I've only ever done like videos and acting. But I just... I don't know that that plays any role in this. Well, and it's, it, it might, but maybe not. It's funny too because if you know the music that I like, I like really sad music. <laughs> like I love really emotional music, and I even like work. I'll work out to like music that's about depression. <laughs> it's like how do you how do you get yourself? But it almost like uh, being in that emotional state. Uh, I guess specifically with the music, what that does to me is it inspires me and like makes me want to push harder and and uh stuff so it's 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 just different i guess i don't know that's a good question though um i have kind of a deep question for you sure you want to hear this do you believe um we we briefly touched on this but i actually want to see what you what you really think do you uh so part of naruto was this the storyline where uh, pretty much everybody in the story wants world peace, even the bad guys. It's it's just about what determines a good guy versus a bad guy is how they go about determining world peace. And there was this one specific character who believed that the only way that you could get world peace was to put everybody in a dream state. Uh, and it's something similar that you and I have talked about with like a, a utopian society, putting people in sort of a, a, a simulation uh, through technology where everybody gets their own life and their own world through the simulation. And that's the only way that you could get a true utopia because everybody's perception and perspective is so different. Do you think in this life, in the existence of people, uh, outside of the idea of uh, this utopian world where there's uh, simulations that everybody runs through on their own, do you think we could legitimately get to a place where there's entire world peace by the end of mankind do you think we could we could have reached that point um so i don't think it's entirely impossible mostly because i think over time like i i think it's 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 extremely unlikely i want to say that first but the reason why i don't completely rule it out as being a possibility is how do we know that over time humans won't learn like as we learn more information how do we know that at some point humans couldn't invent a way to pretty much inject everyone with pure happiness whatever that would be like just literally finding a way to chemically alter every person so that they could experience something that would always feel like life is great and that they would or, or, or even getting to the point where instead of using like the normal human brain, we actually like build a new brain 
that uh, some sort of robotic brain that gets inserted into someone's head and it's programmed for world peace. But this is this is what I was talking about. This is kind of what I was implying with my precursor that you can't build this simulation. I'm talking about a natural, organic way of coming to a place of world peace where you don't develop a chemical that creates happiness or a brain that creates uh, a desire for world peace. Just naturally through the progression of how we live and what we do, um, with with the with like an more organic uh, evolution, do you think that it's possible for people to arrive at world peace? No. If if you're saying that I can't even include technological advancements allowing us to manipulate the genes of people and allowing yeah, because sort of, I'm more trying to get to the bottom of what do you believe within. Uh, mankind within human humanity what what do you believe about humanity not necessarily will we get to a, a technological advancement to change how humanity is i believe and you you pretty much have evidence in this throughout history that people over time will become nicer to one another once they have more information with more information comes more understanding with more understanding comes empathy with empathy comes a closer um, resemblance to what world peace would look like. And I think as we evolve over time, uh, and we do get to know things and we have more information, we're more likely to be more peaceful. And I do think there, there's a chance in the future that humans might be able to evolve to a point that we go beyond warfare for the most part, that like we, we, we have more of an understanding of one another. That being said, I, I think that there's too much that we can't control to ever be able to really stop there being bad people in the world because everybody has different desires and a lot of times those desires are going to clash against societal norms and I just I, I don't think you could prevent that unless, as I said, you use te- technology to manipulate it in one way or another. But I, I do think we will get closer over time, once the language barrier is broken, once maybe some more understanding of different religions happen, I, I do think we can get closer, but there's too much random things out of our control. But what, what about you? Uh, yeah, I don't, I honestly, I mean, I don't know how much longer, I, it's going to be a lot longer, but I, I don't know in, relative to the rate in which humans are evolving, I don't know that we could evolve to a place that's uh enlightened enough to truly make it because even even with all the information that we have now like the ability to understand different nations based on uh the information that's uh available to us i still don't know that there are i don't know that all people are capable of empathy to a level that can make a a true difference I, i think there are a lot of people who don't have that capacity and I, w- I i would think that if that's the case it would take true evolution of people in order to have that uh whatever genetic makeup might instill uh inability to empathize with others um and so i think you probably have a massive amount of the population who uh intellectually are not the brightest um and I think 
I, I don't know this for sure, but I believe those people are the ones that reproduce the most too. So I almost wonder if uh, even within that, uh, it, it, it stunts evolution even further. But I also think it's, it, it's outside of just empathy. I also think you need to have a uh, ability to have a selfless perspective, one that doesn't take things personal, one that doesn't um, isn't constrained by uh, analyzing things through an entirely personal perspective. And I know that that sounds like, how do you do that? Because all of our own perspectives are uh, our own, but uh, just specifically through this this lens of, well, this is how this impacted me, so I'm going to feel this way about it. If it was, if you were, a, if we were somehow able to transcend that perspective and have one that was more, um, uh, just broadly analytical, uh, less emotional, emotionally driven, then maybe I think we could also let things go easier and be. Uh, more capable of uh, growth even within a single lifetime um, but I I still don't see through I, uh, how long humanity will last I don't know that because I feel like that would be a huge like transcendent uh, perspective to have like a, a big enlightenment and I don't know if you could get an entire humanity to to, to reach that point by the time everything goes to black. So I don't believe that it'll happen naturally. It's a, it's a shame because then it makes me, uh, it makes me wonder oftentimes, like, what is the point of us? Like we always talk about how we're advancing society, but what are we, what are we really advancing society to do? Just make it better, like better in terms of like how we treat each other. This is a good point. Raising though. the quality of life. I, I don't think that it's necessarily about the out, the the final product as much as it is trying i and i think that's a good analogy to life like we might not reach the 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 ultimate goal of world peace and everybody understanding each other but does that mean we shouldn't try we we might not fix the the earth's uh atmosphere to a point to make a serious different about climate but for our children and our children's children and our children's children children you know, all this stuff we should still try we should still do what we can to to do the right things and to to be kind and compassionate and empathetic and and let go of our own personal baggage uh, while we are perceiving others um i think we should still i i think there is still in from my perspective there is still enough reason to do that even if we don't reach this sort of ultimate goal yeah no you're you're right it's definitely worth at least trying and that's what a lot of people out there they're at least trying but yeah people people are just so negative it, it does drive me crazy whenever you have times where times that are tough people are just so negative like i hate i hate watching the news right now i hate reading comments from people that are just bashing one another and i hate trump and i hate like it's it's just none of this is helping anything. I, I don't get why people the people who have the most to say are the ones who are doing the least to actually help any of the problem. And that that tends to be what usually happens and it's it's very obvious right now that that's exactly what's happening. Well, honestly, that's why I feel like sometimes 
I've had hesitations to even speak my opinions on things because I'm not out there uh, protesting. I'm not out there uh, doing a bunch of animal rights activism. Like, I, I sometimes I think about like, what am I actually doing to make this world a better place? And sometimes, even like having this podcast, I I think what kind of a what kind of validity do I have to have to speak on these opinions other than I think about them. <laughs> I think I think about them a lot, so I want to talk about them. Um, that's definitely something that I've I've struggled with in my own thing. I don't know how you, if you feel that way at all. I think about it all the time. Lately, especially given the circumstances, I've just been thinking. I mean, I I never feel like I'm doing enough, I, and it's hard for me to figure out what is my role in all this. So. For better or for worse, I, I don't know that this is right, but I felt like my role in this is to hopefully be a calming personality to the people who are worried right now. Like, I might get fired up, but I'm only getting fired up just to be like, hey, take this serious so that we can all be better for it. And I'm, I'm trying to be off my, you know, my small platform to be at least a calming personality who's hopefully educating some people who aren't doing it themselves just like the basic education I'm not, I'm not doing anything crazy and then doing some live streams and just continuing to release content so at least people can be taken out of their anxiety for a little bit and, and watch something and I don't know that this is the best use of my time but it's something I know I can do given the circumstance yeah well it's it even in that I think it's it's still something you know, even if it might not be the absolute perfect thing, you're at least trying to do something, which I think is more than some people can say. Not that you should be comparing to other people, but uh, just in general, like you're you're trying to do what you know, and that's really all you can do. So yeah, that that's what happens in times like this. It make it makes you take a step back. As I've said, one of my. Uh, one of my all-time favorite stories is how My Chemical Romance got started because Gerard Way was in New York, the lead singer of the band, for people who don't know. He was in, uh, he was working in New York City the day that that happened uh, as a uh, graphic artist. Like a, I don't know if he was like doing comic book illustrations, but something along those lines. And after September 11th happened, he kind of did a reevaluation and realized that he needed to be making like more of an impact on the world. And he didn't know how he wanted to do it, but that concept of making an impact was important to him. So the thing he knew how to do was he knew how to sing. So we started a band. And I think that sometimes it's as simple as that, where, you know, you don't know exactly what you can contribute, but you, there's something that you, you can do well and you're passionate about. And sometimes it's as simple as that. And he ended up making a huge impact on the world because he, you know, he didn't know how he was going to do it, but it sort of evolved over time. And I hope that something that I do turns into something like that. I mean, maybe not to the same scale that he was able to do, but any, any ability or any bit of that would be, would be great. Yeah, definitely. And I think that it's uh, important to recognize that in other people too, is uh, that even though they might not not be doing the exact same thing that you think that should be done, uh, it, it, I think if people are trying in any way to uh, give give their part in in uh, being a positive influence on the world, I think that that should be um, celebrated to a certain extent, rather than 
looked down on for it not being what you think it should be. So. Yes, I agree. You want to wrap everything up with our famous Spotify yes. segment? It's famous. Yes, we now. definitely should. It's world famous. I saw on CNN they were, they had a graphic about COVID nineteen and like this just in the latest Spotify segment with the Everything Must Go podcast. Dude, that was that was similar to a dream that I had because that would definitely didn't happen. But I had a dream about it. That's how big this is Dude, gonna be. You don't believe in us. <laughs> I convoluted the joke. (laughs) (laughs) All right. For those of you who don't know, this is a segment where we each pick a song for the other person to listen to, and then we answer three questions based on our listening experience. This week, I had Steven listen to Comrade by Volcano Choir, and I listened to 18 and Life by Skid Row. Uh, You can definitely tell uh, that Steven picked that song for me, and I picked my song (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> there's no uh getting it twisted there uh who wants to go first uh i guess you have me going first on here so i'll i'll go first okay so i did this comrade that's the word right yep it's weird because it throws me off because i rarely see the word but there's an e at the end of it so it looks like it would be comrade yeah english is stupid i know <laughs> But yeah, it's just it, I was just taken aback by that. So the first thing that stood out to me about the song was that I need to know that that word is comrade and not comrade. <laughs> um, what else stood out to me about the song? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll do a brilliant start here. Okay, so one is I have no idea what these lyrics are about. Like I read them, I tried to figure it out. I didn't look up what they're about i just tried to figure it out on my own i have no clue but they were very interesting to read through because i kept feeling like oh maybe i got this and then i just didn't so that definitely stood out to me about the song what also stood out to me about the song was about a third of the way in they do this um i think it's a guitar part i, I don't know there's some something where like the intensity picks up a little bit and it, i completely didn't expect that to happen Though, I said something similar about it. I think it was the last song, that flying song. Flying, yep. You, fl- you forgot uh, to say the word flying? <laughs> <laughs> this guy reads Comrade, gets thrown <laughs> off, and now he can't say other words. <laughs> I'm a mess. I take a week off the podcast, and I just don't know how to do anything. Um, but, yeah. So now I'm like, is this going to be a general trend that Brandon's going to throw into the songs? <laughs> or songs that do this? Um, and the fact that I was intrigued by the vocal style, but unable to assess if I liked it. Um, how does the song make you feel? I'd say like a little bit confused because it sort of pulled me in some different directions and it didn't feel... Like, I'd say out of all the songs that you've sent to me, this was the most difficult one for me to just pick out a vibe. I I, I didn't really feel, like, super happy or super sad. I sort of just felt like... I I sort of felt confused throughout the process. Um, But I guess, if anything, it it was... It made me think. Like, it felt like it activated the part of my brain that was just, like... 
in deep thought. Um, I'm trying to think if there's anything else before the last part. Well, I guess I'll just answer it as a part of the last part. Would you add it to your playlist? I definitely think initially, for, for about the first, the first half of the song, I was like, definitely not. I still probably don't think that I would because I, I don't think overall I liked the vocals of the song. Um, but yeah, I, I guess my, my overall takeaway is just, I'm a little bit surprised that you like this song, but I'm also curious what specifically about this song you liked and why you chose it. Well, first of all, anytime that you're listening to a song written by Justin Vernon, who's also the, the lead singer of Bon Iver, um, he's the lead singer of this this band as well. Uh, uh-huh. You have to kind of surrender trying to figure out what they mean by the song because <laughs> he, I think, I think uh, from the way that people have described it to me is is he cares more about creating uh, a sort of aesthetic or a soundscape almost, and so it's not necessarily specifically uh, writing a narrative lyrically that is um that's seemingly cohesive but rather just finding phrasing and uh metaphors that he might know a meaning to but that you get to just listen to just experience and maybe even imagine within yourself and so i think if you can go into these songs without the pressure of being like what the fuck does this guy mean (laughs) by this word here um like there are certain phrases that jump out to me in this song. Like there's this part where he goes, uh, "Ooh, damn your eyes," and I'm I'm like, I fucking love that song, that part of the song. And then at the end of it, he has a song where he's like, uh, he gets really intense. I love the intensity of the song. I love how it kind of has like this this acoustic guitar, or whatever, and then the drum crash hits, and then it's just like this big electric. Um, explosion and and uh, feeling of passion. Uh, that's one of the reasons why I love this song. Um, but then the ending is. Uh, oh gosh, I'm gonna go look at the lyrics really quick. Um, there's one thing at the end uh, that even though under the cover, just rid the fucking pulpit when he sings that line. I don't know what he means by that. Rid to rid the fucking pulpit. But when he he sings it with so much um, passion, and I'm just like, it, it pumps me up. Like, and I I wanna I start to kind of build this narrative within myself. But I just get I get jacked by this song. It's the song I love. This song. But that's that, those are my. That's thoughts. really interesting about what you said about the lyrics because I've just I've never seen an artist do like do that in but that, that that's actually pretty interesting to me does that happen with other artists other artists do this some people consider him the best lyricist of our generation because of this so I don't, I don't think it's a very common thing I've taken a stab at it like seam is my closest uh, representation of that but I think it's like and I've talked to certain people who have listened to seam that don't understand certain lines of the song like when I say sweatpants uh people get really thrown off by that but i i have a narrative within my mind i've probably talked to you about my narrative um but uh, i don't think it's a very common thing i think most of the time especially in in mainstream music you're gonna get 
uh, people who are telling stories. This is not thought of as a very uh, good way to write music if you want followers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it's, yeah, now I definitely want to listen to this song again and just take out any of that preconceived notion to it just to see if I will feel it any differently. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you, it's definitely an experience that you have to have an adjusted mindset for because how you probably typically listen to music is going to be different when you listen to one of his songs, which is something I appreciate. Uh, all right, so for me, I had 18 in Life by Skid Row. What stood out to you about this song is this makes me think that uh, you this – this is back to the <laughs> – you like – I guess I don't know when you discovered this music, but just how you like to be into music that's like 20 years old, 20 or 30 years old. But now, I mean, this is like the the old hair band kind of classic rock vibe. Um, I don't really know what else to say about what stood out to me. It, how does the song make me feel? It gives. I have an association with music like this that's very negative. Because when I was in high school, we would, in the weight room for football, we would work out to music like this all the time. And kind of like how I don't like the Lumineers, because when I worked at Jimmy John's, I just heard the Lumineers over and over and over again. That's how I feel about music like this. So the song makes me feel frustrated. (laughs) (laughs) Just frustrated. Frustrated because of that association. I mean, I appreciate some of the things for what they are. Pretty much all your songs have pretty dang good guitar riffs. Um, I really don't like uh, the way that vocals were produced back then. Uh, They just pissed me off for some reason. Uh, just like the, the specific kind of reverb that they use. It's just <laughs> because of that association. It's just I, I have a hard time really getting into the vocals. It just feels distant to me. Uh, then there was a, a guitar solo in the middle of this, and I felt like that guitar solo was pointless to me. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it was good. Technically, the do was good, but I just th- this was like the typical guitar solos that I don't like, where it's just like, all right, this is the part of the song where there's a guitar solo. Let's hear it. So uh, would I add it to my playlist? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> I was waiting for the joke. <laughs> no, I would not. I was definitely waiting for that. I would not add it to my playlist. I'm sorry. Dude, you're definitely missing out because I'm adding it to every playlist. That well, that's, played it is a good reminder that we do have a – uh, Spotify playlist for you guys. All these songs that we put on there. It's Everything Must Go podcast dash Spotify playlist. You guys can check it out uh, if you want to listen to these songs that we, we, we put on there. So definitely check that out. What, what Why did you put this song on there? Were you trying to see how angry you could make me? <laughs> well, I, I wanted to pick a song that I really like for a few reasons that I know that you probably will hate to see if there was anything one that you might like about it, like whether it would be any any part of it. Um, and also just to show you that like some of the music that I like is in that direction. Like Well here I I the the song meaning, I looked up the lyrics. The song meaning looks like it's pretty good. It's about a uh, a kid who basically throws his life away for um, like I don't know if he murders somebody or something, but like the concept, the narrative sounds interesting. But I just can't, 
I can't get into it because the music doesn't pull me in. I feel distant from the vocalist. The guitar solos throw me off. So that's kind of where I'm coming from. Yeah, so I specifically chose this song, one, because I, I don't know. There's something about this song that I've always just really liked. I find it to be super catchy, and I also just... Sebastian Bach, the lead singer, just has a super powerful voice. Like, he can hit really high notes. He's known, like, in that scene as arguably the best vocalist because of how high he can sing Mm -hmm. um, and with a lot of power. And, yeah, I mean, I kind of think the idea behind the song is it's kind of cool, but I just, pretty much anything that he sings, I just like. (laughs) I just like hearing him belt those, like, super high notes. And I like this sort of over-the-top production quality on some of the uh, like mid to late 80s and early 90s. So I'm kind of a sucker for that production quality. It, it really depends. I will admit, I specifically chose this one because I didn't think it was as cheesy. There's a lot of songs that came out in that time frame where I hate. So it's really, it's rare for me to find one that I actually really like. So this kind of falls into that category. And this is a song that um, my dad actually likes Skid Row. And it's one of the few bands that we actually both like i almost so i think there's say, also that personal touch did you did you start liking this because your dad liked it because it's not something i would <laughs> picture your dad like <laughs> definitely something that my dad would listen to and uh yeah there probably is a little part of that that i associate just positively gotcha well there you go folks you know steven and i don't always have the same taste in things that's just how it goes sometimes and that's okay. That's true. We can still be friends. That's true. Look at this. We don't even have to argue about it. We can just come to an, a, a common understanding. Look, at world peace is possible. <laughs> On everything must go, it is. Yes, it is. Anything else you want to talk about before we send them off? Um, just, yeah, just, just a, a couple of just quick notes. I moved in my new apartment, so my content is going to look a little bit different now. So if you if people who stop by my YouTube channel and are like, what's the deal here? It's going to be, there's going to be a, like a lot of changes that are going to be going on here on what my content looks like coming up. So bear with me through these changes. I kind of have a temporary setup. I've uh, ordered uh, chairs for the podcast. So when we can record this podcast in person, it will be a much different setup and it will look a lot better. The quality will be a lot better. And in terms of the content, I had been doing a, a vlog every single Saturday was uh, my life in Chicago vlog. And now I'm kind of switching it up a little bit because we're all kind of stuck inside. So just expect more of varying of my content. There, there'll be some vlog stuff in there. And at some point I will do a tour of my apartment, but just expect that things will be a little bit different right now, but every bit as much content as there was before. Dope. Cool beans. All right. Well, if you guys have any thoughts, comments, or questions, as always, feel free to reach out to us at EMGPod on social media or at Stephen Russell B uh, for Stephen, at Brandon J. Flippin for me. You can email us EMGPod at gmail.com or call us and leave us a voicemail 513 427 EMG5. Again, that is 513 427 EMG5. G5. Hope you guys are all staying safe and we'll talk to you next time. Take it easy. Oh.